Before we begin the latest episode of Nordic True Crime, we would just like to give a big shout out to our latest patrons. A huge thank you to Chantal Berg, Rich Waters, Raven, Tauno Alasirnio, Amy, Tammy Biancolin, Heather Hartford, Nancy and Bill Hopper, and Anne MacGyver. If I missed anybody, then I'm really sorry. But I will be sure to give you a shout out the next time. Remember, if you too would like to become a patron of the show and receive access to extra monthly episodes, then find us at patreon.com forward slash Nordic True Crime or see the link in the show notes. Now on with this week's episode. We're riding on the internet, cyberspace, set free. Hello, virtual reality. Interactive appetite, searching for a website, a window to the world, got to get online. Take a spin, now you're in with the techno set. You're going surfing on the internet. Millions of Americans own a personal computer. If you're one of them, you can now glimpse the future with nothing more than a modem, a phone line, and a few dollars a month. Just what is this main artery of the information superhighway? Every business, no matter how large, and no matter how small, will be on the internet in the year 2000. It's the primary way that people will look up information. It will replace the yellow pages as we know it today. Are a lot of people just getting on to the internet because they feel that they have to get onto the playing field, so to speak? Well, it's very hip to be on the internet right now. I'm afraid that if I subscribe to something like internet, you would really be hooked. I would get hooked and I would never you know, spend time with my family. With my family. With my family. With my family. The internet truly is a remarkable tool which has made it possible for people all over the world to connect with each other for the best part of 25 years. Whether it be meeting new people exchanging information or sharing special moments. The internet has changed the way we communicate with each other. But human nature will always have its dark side and is often the case with something which can be used to do so much good. It can inevitably be exploited for the wrong reasons. Many of these things happen within a secluded part of the internet called the dark web. This is a place where Google or any other ordinary search engine can't reach. It can only be found by using programs which have been specially created for the purpose of accessing the dark web. It was established to provide almost certain anonymity to its users, which of course is the perfect place for people who carry out illegal activities to thrive. The possibility of conducting criminal acts with a very limited risk of being caught is naturally very appealing to many. This is Nordic True Crime.
understand the difference between the internet, or the net, and the World Wide Web, or the web, imagine it as a gigantic mall with an almost infinite number of shops inside, where the internet is the actual physical structure of the mall itself, and the shops inside are the internet pages on the web. Or another very simplified explanation is that the internet is a vast number of connected computers and the web is the enormous amount of websites which can be found within these computers. Picture an iceberg. When you browse the internet and jump from website to website or perhaps Google a question or a recipe, you are navigating through what is called the surface web. This is the tip of the iceberg, which is visible on the surface on the water. This part of the web is available to the general public and is searchable using ordinary standard search engines. It consists of billions of pages and more and more are added every single day. However, it is estimated that the surface web is only a small part of the content on the net approximately just 10%. Beneath it lies what is referred to as the deep web. The deep web consists of pages that are not indexed and can therefore not be found by any standard search engine such as Google. However, you have most likely been in the deep web without even realizing it because this is where you would be anytime you go to any password protected website such as when you check your bank balance and pay your bills online, when visiting streaming sites or clicking on your virtual shopping basket when you buy something online. These are the pages that are not possible for other people to search for or access unless they manage to crack your password or if the website you visit have been hacked. Nobody knows exactly how big the deep web actually is but it is estimated to be at least four to 5,000 times bigger than the surface web. Beneath the deep web is the dark web. Just like the deep web, none of the sites are indexed, but here you need special software or search engines or other special arrangements to access the sites. This place provides almost complete and total anonymity. And this can be a very good thing because this makes it possible for so-called whistleblowers to send encrypted information to journalists or citizens who live under the rule of dictatorships to be able to have their voices heard without endangering their own or the lives of their friends and families. It is also common to find various support groups here for people who have been through traumatizing events in their lives. However, where many decide to use something for the benefit of good, there will always be others who take a different road, especially when there is money to be made. In the middle of the 1990s, the internet was booming. More and more people found their way online 
to experience this new virtual world. But the internet was never designed to be anonymous, so everything people did online was traceable back to the individual. So the US Navy created a way to become invisible in order to be able to send classified military information and to establish anonymous communication. However, they soon realized that since it was only US agents who were authorized to use this technology, it kind of defeated the purpose because as soon as an anonymous connection was made through a website, people could immediately tell they were being watched by the CIA. So they had no other choice but to make the technology available to all and in turn open Pandora's box, if you will. The Darknet is an encrypted network built on top of the existing internet and the one created by the US Navy is called TOR, which stands for the Onion Router. TOR is needed to be able to use the network of Onion Routers and almost completely hides your identity. If you browse the internet without any identity protection, then it is clear to see where your information came from and where it's going, all the way from the original source to its end destination. What Tor does is encrypts your data many times over before sending it to randomly pick nodes in order to disguise where the information came from and where it's going. The only part that's traceable is when the information is sent to the node and where it's going directly after, but not what happened before or after that particular process. It's similar to attempting to evade someone who is pursuing you by hiding yourself in a block of flats. The person who is hiding you gives you a new set of clothes to try and further confuse the pursuer. The same individual can only see you coming around the corner to knock on their door, and when you're leaving their apartment, they see you disappear around the next corner. But they can't tell the pursuer what apartment you came from and whose apartment you ran to next. All they know is what outfit you were wearing when you arrived at their door and what you had on when you left. However, the person did see you, so you're not completely anonymous. But it would be a very difficult task to try and trace the information back to the source, considering you could have been running in and out of several different apartments. Tor gives you access to both the sites on the surface web, but also the hidden ones. The websites which are inclusive to the Tor network all have a special .onion address, which is commonly referred to as Onionland. The shady and illegal side of the dark web can be over-exaggerated at times, but if you look closely, then you can find some truly disturbing things. Things that will make you wonder how people can be so depraved and be lacking in basic human morals. For instance, recently a German couple was sentenced for having sold the woman's nine-year-old son to pedophiles via the dark web. 
They had both filmed and taken pictures of the sexual abuse the child was subjected to, which they had later sold. Somebody had come forward and tipped off the police. Otherwise, they would probably have been able to continue the horrible abuse due to the anonymity provided by the Darknet. Also found on the Darknet are websites which offers hitmen for hire. However, it is a bit unclear whether or not these sites are indeed serious or not. One of these sites was eventually shut down with the founder claiming that it was just a scam to obtain money from criminals. There was also a betting site found where you could bet on which day certain people would die, but it never stated exactly how they would die. If enough people were to bet money on a specific person, and if, of course, that person was very unlikable, there was nothing stopping people from taking the matter into their own hands, so to speak, to cash out. Other accessible sites include human trafficking, political and religious extremist sites, gun sales, and sites where you can buy fake ID and passports. One of the most commonly accessed sites, aside from porn, is illegal drug sales. One of the first on the dark web was a site called Silk Road, which ran for about two years before the authorities were able to shut it down. But it didn't take long before Silk Road 2.0 was established, and after that, well, there was Silk Road 3.0. It just proved how much easier it was for criminals to go ahead and open a new site than it was for the authorities to take it down. Thomas, a man from Sweden, was someone who was involved in the illegal sales of drugs. One of his customers, a man called Jive, needed money to finance his addiction and he approached Thomas asking if they could team up in order to maximize the sales of their products. They had a lot in common, and notably, they both had gambling addictions. The two men got on particularly well. Thomas was the man with the contacts, and could obtain the required drug supply from abroad, whereas Jive had a university degree in computer science and had the expertise to get their business to where it needed to be. At the beginning of the year 2000, illegal drug sales in Sweden began moving from the streets to the online world, more specifically, the dark web. There, it was much safer for both the seller and buyer, with a much lower risk of getting caught. In 2013, Thomas and Jive began their drug enterprise on the darknet. They started small with the intention to build a reputation. Since nobody knows who you are, you have to make a name for yourself and prove to your potential customers that you are reliable and will actually send them the items they have purchased. So a rating system is used 
where the customer can rate the seller and the seller can rate the buyer. Just like any other rating site, which can be found throughout the surface web. The customer pays in a virtual currency, most often Bitcoin, in order to remain anonymous and, of course, so that no bank can trace the transaction. Thomas and Jeeves' customer database began to grow and their business model soon expanded. In 2015, Jeeves met a girl who we have decided to call Sara. She was a bit of a wild girl who had just come out of rehab. They soon became a couple and moved in together. Jeeves was at that point addicted to amphetamine, but he told Sara that it was his intention to quit. He would spend his days in front of the computer gambling and selling drugs online. Sara didn't know about the drugs and was under the impression that he made his money from online gambling. But it didn't take long before he made her aware of exactly what it was he did for a living and she soon became involved herself, helping him with the everyday administration of the drug business. And that is exactly what it was, a business. They answered emails, priced products and dealt with deliveries. In order to launder their money effectively, they used a website where you could buy and sell gold using bitcoins. They started to import more and more drugs, which were smuggled into the country inside speakers and pillows. However, they made sure not to store too much of their product in the same place at the same time. Instead, they distributed the drugs to various storage facilities throughout Sweden. It wasn't just a case of minimizing the risk of losing a large amount of product if it was to find its way into the wrong hands. It was also a particularly calculated decision. The drugs stored at these facilities were always under the legal limit for it to be considered as a serious drug offense if they were to be busted by the police. In order to avoid raising suspicion when distributing drugs to buyers, they had a few different tricks up their sleeves. For instance, they used numerous different types of envelopes which consisted of different sizes and colors, and they also vacuum-packed products in order to make the packages as slim as physically possible. As well as this, they drove to different post boxes to avoid posting a considerable amount of letters in the same boxes every day, which could, of course, alert the authorities. One day, a man contacted Thomas and Jivia. He introduced himself as Mr. Benzo and claimed that he could arrange for a considerably large amount of Benzo tablets to be smuggled into Sweden from a foreign country. They made a deal and 100,000 tablets were smuggled into the country, a massive amount for Thomas and Jive to deal with. And they just kept coming. But it didn't take long before it became clear to the friends that it had become too much for them to handle. 
In addition to this problem, drugs were going missing from one of their warehouses and they accused one of their packagers as being the culprit. The man was beaten and stabbed as punishment. The drugs had to be moved from the warehouse and as a temporary measure, it was decided that they should be stored at Jivia's and Sara's apartment until they could find a new and more secure facility. But as time went by, the drugs were still being stored at their apartment. More and more drugs were being sent and some of the packages were even in Sara's name. Package after package arrived and the orders came flooding in. Jivi's drug addiction was getting progressively worse and one day, whilst he was driving around town posting packages to clients, he crashed into another car. He was of course high on amphetamine and other pills. He somehow managed to call Sara and inform her that she had to get to him before the police arrived on the scene in order to remove the packages from the car, which luckily for them, she succeeded in doing. Jive was convicted of driving under the influence and subsequently had his driver's license revoked, which meant that from there on in, he had to cycle and travel by bus when posting drug orders to customers. And this, of course, took much longer than it normally would, and he in turn accumulated a backlog of orders, and the stash of pills and other drugs at the apartment grew and grew. The situation they found themselves in began to take its toll on Jivi and Sora. They were becoming more and more scared and paranoid. Jivi couldn't take it anymore, and one day went into a psychotic fit of rage, trashing the apartment and lashing out at Sora in the process. She was understandably terrified of both him and the situation they found themselves in, which she knew had spiralled out of control. She just wanted everything to stop before somebody was seriously injured or worse. She sent a text message in secret to her boss, telling him that her boyfriend was running one of the biggest narcotic operations in Sweden and asked him to call the police, which he did. The police officers who were on patrol in the area and who received the call were under the impression that the problem revolved around a domestic disturbance where recreational drug use was involved. The officers made their way to the property, where on arrival Sara let them in. She was nervous and stressed to them that she didn't want Jive to know that the police were there. But Jive soon realized exactly who was in his home and according to the officers, he became highly agitated and began to stutter. He refused to let them have a look around the flat without a warrant. This obviously raised suspicions, and they decided that they would bring him to the station for a drugs test and escorted him to the back seat of the patrol car. When Jive had left the apartment, one officer stayed behind and asked Sara where the drugs were thinking they might just have a small bag for personal use hidden somewhere on the property. 
but Sora pulled out a big gym bag which was filled with pills. And then another and another. The pills were hidden all over the flat and by the end there were several gym bags, huge plastic bags and boxes filled with drugs. The officers were in shock. There was roughly 103,000 pills, 293 LSD strips and over 200 grams of powder form MDMA. They found printed orders containing customers' addresses and thousands of envelopes and stamps. The police soon realized that Jivi and Sora were not the only ones involved in this drug enterprise, and it wasn't long before they were knocking on Thomas's door. He wasn't too nervous because he knew that they couldn't connect him to anything. He didn't have any drugs lying around his flat, and his computer was encrypted so he knew that they wouldn't find anything on it. But he had made one massive mistake. He had backed up his work from his desktop computer onto an external hard drive, and that hard drive wasn't encrypted. So the police now had access to everything revolving around Thomas and Jeeves' drug empire including private keys they had found on the desktop computer, which allowed them to open encrypted emails. And there was something else which caught the attention of the detectives. The keys were under two aliases, who they recognized as two of the biggest online drug dealers in Sweden, who were responsible for 30% of the total drug sales in the country. Men who they had under surveillance for some time. Swedish police, by law, are not allowed to actively try and hack their way into criminals' computers, as hacking is of course a criminal offence. So all they could do was carry out standard surveillance, which makes it very hard and time-consuming to take down illegal sites such as Yves and Thomas's. The authorities couldn't believe their luck. Things like this just didn't happen. Generally speaking, it is extremely difficult to infiltrate or get close to the big hitters in these organizations. But on this occasion, everything, more or less, just fell into their laps. Thomas and Jive were sentenced to eight and a half years in prison. Sara testified against her boyfriend and his business partner and is now living within the Witness Protection Programme. As stated earlier in the episode, it is extremely difficult for the police to catch criminals on the dark web because of the anonymity factor which of course sparks a lot of debate and raises countless questions. But it wasn't that long ago that some governments went to extreme measures to get as much personal information as possible about their citizens. Information which of course nobody wanted to willingly give out. A common example of this was the Stasi 
who were the official state security service in East Germany from the 1950s right up until the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989. At their height, they had files on almost every citizen of the DDR. In stark contrast to the days of the Stasi, today, most of us give up our private information publicly without really realizing what we are doing. It is relatively easy to find out where someone lives, where they work, their political preferences, and who their friends and family are. Social media apps are regularly used by the police as a way of finding out as much as they can about suspects or missing people. Because, well, the information is almost always right in front of their noses, readily available at a click of a button. Many people are totally against online anonymity, regularly stating that if you are not doing anything illegal, then you have nothing to hide. But imagine the next time you go to the supermarket and there is someone following you the whole time, taking notes of every item you put in your basket and everything you pick up but then change your mind and put it back on the shelf. If you paid in cash or card, and how much time you spend in the store. The items you buy tell the organization who wants this information a lot about who you are. If you bought a lot of the same type of food, then maybe you're planning to have people over for dinner. Did you buy any sort of medication? Then you, or possibly someone close to you, suffers from an illness, and so on, and so on. Imagine that same person then follows you outside and continues to take notes of everything you do, say, and wear. You probably would feel a bit bothered by this, especially if this was repeated every hour of every day. And this is exactly what happens when you go online. Almost everything you do is monitored. Take politics, for instance. If the politicians know exactly what their voters want, then they can make promises which they never really intend to keep, but at least they have the knowledge of who they will need to get them elected. In other words, we are being influenced. Knowledge is indeed power. And of course, our private information is regularly sold. Most of the time, it is used by companies to help maximize their profit by helping them understand what attracts their customers and how best to get consumers to spend more. For example, say that you typed holiday cruise into your search engine of choice. You scroll through the results and then when finished, you visit one of your social media sites. You will then notice that the ads you come across on your homepage will most likely contain holiday cruises or other offers for holidays. This is, of course, as we know, not a coincidence. All our activity and personal information regularly gets passed onto other parties. And of course, this is not always a bad thing, especially if you come across the bargain you were looking for. However, there have also been reports from people who have noticed more concerning matters. After having a conversation with friends, about a certain nail polish and a mild physical illness, 
some friends realized that the next time they went online, ads for nail polish and the medicine for the particular illness they had discussed began popping up. And this was without anyone having searched this online. How could this be? Was it just a freak coincidence or was there something far more unsettling behind this? Well, they all had their mobile phones with them during these conversations. And your mobile phone has a microphone, which is of course needed when making and receiving calls. But this microphone can also be accessed by different apps, which can listen to what you're saying, even when you're not making a call. Were the apps listening into the friends' conversations, or is this just a coincidence? So the next time you install an app which demands access to your microphone with no particular reason you can think of, then you should probably think twice before accepting this request. One thing that you can do is to go into your settings on your phone to see what apps you have installed and which of them have access to your microphone. Then you can decide for yourself if that particular app really does require the access it's requesting. However, like millions of others, you may be fine with allowing different applications on your phone to have access to certain information. You may enjoy scrolling through personalized ads, looking for the next bargain pair of shoes or discounted Mediterranean cruise. But one thing to remember is that illegal activity online is not just limited to the anonymous world of the dark web. The same, of course, applies to your personal information on the surface net. And that is something to consider the next time you go online, because you never really know who or what is watching you.